Blog yo, Talk yo, Radio. everybody. Yo, yo, everybody, what's going on? Foxy, 
everything is groovy. How was your week, Gypsy? Tell me about it. Uh, my week was pretty doggone good. Pretty doggone good. Uh, you know, I'm gearing up for, ooh, and I know this, I don't even know if this is politically correct anymore. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't never been politically correct. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know. Um, depends on how you use it. Like some people, like me, I usually fast on Thanksgiving. Or I use it as a time to hang out with family and friends. But I don't, I'm not doing it in the celebration of Thanksgiving. I'm just looking at it as a day where everybody getting together. So you might as well enjoy it. I'm like, I'm not going to go to, a, I'm not, I'm not, not going to go to a family celebration or something because I'm protesting. You know, I love my family, but when they say happy Thanksgiving, I'll be like, give the indigenous people their land back. So then that just ends all of that. And they'll be like, okay, just sit your butt down and eat. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just works like that. But yeah, man, um, it's cool. So, what are your preparations for the day of of thanks and giving? Well, you know, I start off with the prayer: good, mo- good food, good meat. You know, thank God, let us eat. There you go. I yes. think, and then then that takes care of the Thanksgiving portion of things. Then I go into just strict gluttony. He like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. He said, "Just straight gluttony, just straight out the gate." <laughs> what are you doing? Just, I'm being gluttonous. <laughs> right, just nim 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 nim, and I'm gonna eat just like, and I'm gonna sound like Cookie Monster while I'm eating too. Yum 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 yum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He warned y'all we was ignorant. <laughs> so you cooking at your house? Or you going to family's house? What you doing? Hey man, I'm cooking at my house, and I this is the first year I got a traducan. For those, oh, those things are good. Man. I love those meat. things. Wait a minute how how do you know what they taste like? You talking about the traducan? Those are tofu. Um. Tofu turkey, yeah. Because um, no, know, that's I, not what I'm know. talking about. That's not it at all. <laughs> that's oh. not it at all. <laughs> what is it? Like You're a, talking about the tofurkey. Yeah, the traducan is what the is chicken uh, stuffed inside oh, of a duck. Churd- stuffed inside of a turkey. You said churducken, right? Oh, what right. Is, that's isn't that like isn't that like you know a like, food orgy. <laughs> that is like you know that's like species. Oh, them don't even go there. Okay, and and, and they orgy. cook like that. How long does it take the thing to cook? Same time, you know. It depends on the weight, and then like the. It's kind of cool because the duck, um, you know how turkey is usually dry. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little dry. So the because there's a lot of fat in the turkey, it kind of moistens up the the um, the turkey, you know. Okay. That sounds yeah. like a very. I don't know. This is my first year cooking. First year cooking it, so you know I've always wanted to cook it ever since I saw it on uh, or I heard about it on how to, uh, how I met your mother, and I was like, yes. It's about to get loud. <laughs> that is a bus moving. No, so this this is just reality radio. 
So, um, yeah, you're going to hear, like, approaching Gary. And, yeah, that's the street I live on. I shouldn't be telling people that. They know where I live. But, yeah. Well, okay, so you cooking. Um, Are you having family over? Or is it just going to be you, the wife, and the kids? No, we're having some family over, you know, kicking it. You know, I'm not going to tell you all I'm having because, you know, I ain't got it like that. But, it's, you know, well, you know, I might as well. You know, <laughs> having a turkey. Oh, well, we're having for ducking. Um, nah. We're having. What's up? I'm not so even I, I got obviously. So I got a question. Are you making people okay. bring food, too, or is everybody coming you know, just to grab what you what you bring. Um, hell to the knock. Um what I got people doing is <laughs> hey if you want it, I'll cook it. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So I got people cooking. Well I'm 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 having people bring everything and I'm cooking because I have my god sister. I do this with my wife. Let me let me say this because I'm a little different. Like, you know, remember when we was growing up and, like, mom and auntie and everybody would be in the, all of, you know, the women folk would be in the kitchen cooking and all the mm-hmm. guys get to, you know, just grab a plate and sit down and, you know, maybe play checkers or watch the game, and, you know, and the kids are off playing and this, that, and the other. And I always looked at mm-hmm. that like, well, damn, my mom does all the cooking most of the time. How is she enjoying her holiday? So one thing that I implemented in my house, my, my 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 girl, my woman, mainly does all the cooking most of the time. So when it comes to the holidays, I have a thing in my house where, you know, sit your ass down, I got this. And I cook. Okay. So you know so that way I enjoy cooking and dinner parties and things like that and it's a joy that I have out of it. And she gets to sit sit around and really enjoy her holiday and put her feet up and, you know, and that. So, with that being said, I have my god sister coming over. And so okay. she's a single mom. So she's I'm, I'm having her do the same thing. Hey, you cook for your kids most of the time. You just, hey, this is what I need you to go get. Pick this up. And this will be your contribution and I'll cook it all, and that way the ladies get a chance to sit sit back and enjoy the day. Because, you know, fam, the family structure has changed since, you know, back in the day. So sometimes we got to change to move along with the times, too. So that's that's just how I do my Thanksgivings at my house. Yeah. You know? So I, I, like, so the, I, I, I like to cook. I like to yeah, cook all the time. I need I need you around me because I cook all the time. But um well, yeah, I'm when, when I like I said, we me me and my ex we used to fast when it was just us. But then on the days where it was Thanksgiving, like we just cooked together and made stuff. Where you know what we used to you know we because we didn't have family out here in California, we'd always go to somebody's house, so we would just make the stuff to make sure that there was a veg, good vegetarian option without meat in it, you know, and that. We had something to eat and bring it. I usually cook that, you know, and then everybody got to grub down, you know, get back and do their thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but it, it's so, cool, yeah. man. But like I said, you know. Go ahead. 
I said, no, I mean, so that's that's just that's just that's just one of the things that I like to do because I enjoy cooking and I think it's only fair that, you know, um, you know, my you know, we having people over and I think that my wife does a you know, I don't probably don't tell her enough that she does a great job and, you know, the food is you know, most of the time what she makes is good, you know, it's that rare occasion. <laughs> but, but for the most part it's all good so yeah i just um i like cooking and you know i like it gives me a chance to kind of like experiment a little bit because i'm for the first time i'm making jerk shrimp because you know i got a okay i i got a jamaican partner and i was like yo like now nah, i don't mean like jafakin i mean like jamaican by way of you know, Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, yeah. born and raised in Jamaica, came came up here like straight Jamaican. Like, oh yeah, when you go down to Kingston, yeah, you go over here. That's where Bob's hung out at, like Jamaican, Jamaican. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's more yes. It's more Jamaicans in Brooklyn than it is in Jamaica, almost. <laughs> right, like you know. Well, I, I keep saying like, really? when, I went, when I moved to New York, you got so many African and Caribbean brothers that I went to New York and I became exotic. You know, because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just they didn't even believe American. it. Cause you, yeah, because I came in there with locks. And they're like, "What island you from, man?" I'm like, I, "Next stop." I'm like, "Man, I ain't from no island." He's like, "They're like you in Brooklyn with locks, and you ain't from an island." I'm like, "That's not a lie." Word. <laughs> they, they were like. They're like, like what, like what, like what, what island you from? I'm like Cleveland. I'm like that's not an island. I'm like right. that's the best I got. I'm like that's the that's the best I got, homie. Right. I don't know. I don't know how to rock nothing else. But yeah, man. So yeah, I'm. You know, when it was, I moved out of Brooklyn because the brothers, you know, I get, with the locks. The, you know, you walking down the street and every every three steps, you know, you. Selassie, Selassie, Selassie. Yeah, man, Selassie. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to the train to go to work. Hi, Selassie. Hey, hi, Selassie. And do you got some? Hey, and do you got some ganja? <laughs> like, right. It's like, like no to both. <laughs> just like, uh, that is what I'm saying. No to both. You know, that's funny though, because you know when I went to um, when I went to Jamaica with the family. You know, um, we went on for for a literary thing, and we were eating the food, and we were like, we've had better Jamaican food in Jamaica, Queens. And so we told our driver, we're right. like, take us to get something to eat. They're like, no. I said, no, dude. Like, we from Brooklyn and Queens. We need to go where you eat. Because this stuff that you're getting, like, this ain't even real. Like, I can go on Flatbush and get better Jamaican food than this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were just like, word. <laughs> And the dude was like, okay, I got you, man. We drove about a half hour across, ended up on this beach, and this little hovel hole type place. Man, I had some bammy for the first time. I lost my mind, dude. I was like, yes, this is the way you eat. This tastes like Brooklyn and Queens. Right. Yeah, man. But you but know what was... I miss? I miss what? the cocoa bread, man. Like, yo, I miss Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, first, but we reminisce first. way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's a whole lot of stuff out there, boy, that I was just like, yeah. So, yeah, man. But, you know, you can't be so caught up into politics and political correctness that you avoid opportunities to get with your family or whatever. I know the indigenous people, they use it as a day of mourning. You know, and that's what they do. But I'm just like, you know, you know, I, I, I'm down with that. And I'm always acknowledging indigenous people. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they do. And you have to be true to yourself. So, yeah, man, but it's, well, it's, I, it's, I, it's conflicting. I'm, I'm, no, not to me, because I'm, I'm more, you know, I got some, Indigenous heritage, so I mourn along with them. But I also know that you know, how should I say this? The nigga in me knows that after the funeral comes the repast, so there's food anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) you stupid. (laughs) You know, so the best of both worlds. (laughs) (laughs) Like New Orleans. Bury you and then party. Right. right. Hey, you know. You know, that's how I, that's what I'm doing. So what are you doing for uh and I and I and I wanna get out of calling it Thanksgiving or Turkey Day. I like calling it family day. Yeah. I'm down with that. For family day, um the kids are with their mother. So I'ma chill out. I'm probably gonna fast. And then, um, and that's going to be that. Oh, and if I do eat something, you know, it's going to be like a petite. So, so yeah, that's it. Mm. No big plans, bro. Okay. Just chilling. Okay. And then, well, um, probably go see a movie or something. But like I said, I did, did, you know, um, and on those days, I usually let the kids hang with their mother because I don't celebrate. And so, you know, they like, and they like the festivities. So, you know, when um, I was in L.A., we would just go over to people's houses, but I'm in Pomona. And I'm out of touch because usually if they were with me, we just go someplace where I know they're kicking it, let them have at it, <laughs> and I'll sit and watch a football game or chill. Or something, you know, but been well, pretty let me much ask boycotting. you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, because you mentioned uh, going to see a movie, and that kind of ties in with the hot topic. <laughs> What's the hot topic? Like, like, like I slid that one right on in. All right, there's a lot of controversy about a movie that's out right now, culturally significant, um, about freedom fighter Harriet Tubbs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I knew you was ready for this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Run it by in in the words of the crows on uh on the whiz, 
Run it by me, run it by me. Run it by me. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem is, and I heard about it, like I haven't, I haven't seen the movie, but um, I haven't seen it because – I heard the, you know, I was listening to the reviews about it because you know one, I want to know if it's actually doing some justice, you know, to the character. I don't want to go support it, and it's bastardizing what we're doing. You know, I'm talking to like, you know, this conversation they had like at one point, they're talking about casting Julia Roberts as um, Harriet Tubman. Like I wouldn't go see no crap like that, and so. But she got the list. She got the lips. Yeah, she got the lips. You know, um, definitely got the lips, you know. Got some got some kind of melanin in her system somewhere along the line. But so what happened is what happened was in this movie, they created a fictional character. And this fictional character's name, if you haven't seen it, this is a spoiler. So you might want to turn this off. But the character's name is Bigger Long. <laughs> and then when I said that, I was like, somebody somebody commented on it online or something like, that's a porn name. Like a brother, Bigger Long. I'm like, okay. That totally yeah, got I was, me. I was just about to say that. I was just about <laughs> to say, hold on now, this is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this dude's name is Bigger Long. And they wrote him in, and he is the main antagonist of Harriet Tubman during the movie. So the number one threat to Harriet Tubman freeing black people in this movie is a black man. And at one point, you know, and apparently he has dedicated his life to stopping Harriet from freeing black people. And Harriet at one point in the movie only gets away based on the benevolence, the benevolence of a white male plantation owner who enslaves Africans, but for some reason found it in his heart to want Harriet to live. So think about this. In a movie about Harriet Tubman, they made the main antagonist, the, the person who was trying to stop her from fleeing people, a black person. And the person who saves her, a white person. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't rock with that. I can't. And then online, because we'll get into some back and forth, right? And okay. online, someone said, well, you know, there probably were, you know, some black people who were against her who tried to stop her. So, you know, this can be in the movie. I said, listen. If this was a historical character, right? If this was a character which who really is. existed, which which area it is, yeah. But if, the, if no, I'm talking about the um the bigger long person, if this bigger long person was a a historical person who actually existed and who actually did it, then hell, that's just the ugly truth, and we have to accept it. But to create some fictionalized Negro who goes around trying to kill a sister for freeing black folks and then have him her being saved by some white dude? 
and this and this none of this is historical. This is just made up. Like I can't rock with that. You are actually changing the nature and the fabric of the truth. Now this ain't like a gripe I had about the Bruce Lee story. Like when the Bruce Lee story came out, the main two gripes were the person they got to play Bruce Lee obviously wasn't a martial artist, just somebody who they figured looked like him. Because based on his movements, he couldn't do 5% of what Bruce Lee did. And when he did the movements, he looked so out of place that he looked like he was just studying. So to have somebody who is, the, by, in, in some people's belief, one of the greatest martial arts artists to ever live, be played by someone who clearly don't know how to do anything except mimic his facial expressions was insulting. But we could get past that, okay, this is Hollywood. And then the other big thing is they made him a waiter who gets in the fight. In real life, Bruce Lee was a dishwasher. And he didn't get in any fights with patrons like that. So those two things don't change the nature of the movie or its historical accurateness. They're not fabricating some major part of the story that is going to have people like, oh, my goodness, I totally misunderstood Bruce Lee. Like, if you see him as a dishwasher or a waiter, that's not going to majority, that's not going to change anything about his narrative. But then when you talk about the nature of history during that period, and you paint an antagonist as a black man, Check this out. Who's a bounty hunter with a gun going around hunting down black folks and then making his focus, Harriet Tubman, that absolutely, it actually degrades the history of the country because it's like, wait a minute, well, a black man could go around carrying a gun back then. No, you couldn't. There wasn't a black man walking around with a gun. And, I mean, and then all of a sudden, and then he's riding free, and he, he got a gun, and he's running around and not being stopped by anybody. So think about how this is painting the narrative, that there was this America where a black man could run free and shoot at other black folks, and white folks would just look at him and be like, okay, that's a good nigga. Go ahead and do what you got to do, kill the blackies. And then have a, have a black person who is so anti-freedom, that he dedicates his life to stopping one of the biggest freedom fighters in the history of the enslavement. And then you want me to go see this crap? I ain't going to see this mess. You got me bent. Like, why would I go see that? That, cha- that actually changes history. And some people are like, well, that's Hollywood. No. That ain't Hollywood. That is co-opting. And it's something that Hollywood does. And the fact that we accept that mess and consider it okay is the problem. But me going to see Harriet ain't happening. I told my kids about it, and even my kids were like, even and even my son was like, wait a minute, black people could carry guns around that time? And think about this. This is what's going through my son's head. He was like, because he didn't know about this, like we enslaved with that and the other. And then he hears about that story. He's like, wait a minute. Could black men really go around with guns? I'm like, no, they couldn't go around with guns at this time. But see, that's what you're doing. And so if you don't correct that history, if you don't address that narrative, it is going to be, I mean, white folks 
and black folks who leave the theater thinking the biggest issue, problem that Harriet Tubman had in freeing black people was a black man. Think about that. That's how they're going to leave the movie. That there was this black man who was so terrible and no good that he wanted to stop Harriet from freeing black people. And that's what he dedicated his life to. And people are going to walk away telling that story. Oh, girl, there's a dude in there named Bigger Long. Little kids going to be talking about, I hope ain't no Bigger Longs. And this joker ain't even real. And so, no, I ain't going to see that trash. There's nothing you can tell me about the movie that will make it redeeming as long as that character is in it and his name is Bigger Long. You can kiss my behind. I'll never go see it. And I will say it straight up, even though I haven't seen it, based on that. Okay. Hello? Yeah, I don't know what just happened, but he just went muted for whatever reason. So I understand. I get it. And, uh,. Now here I here I go with the conspiracy theory. Wait a minute, are we muted? Are, is music playing? No, I don't hear any music. I don't see any music. You just went out for a second. I don't know why. Okay, are we back in? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so what I'm saying is, yeah, it's trash. You you can't rewrite history. That would be like taking the Bruce Lee story, and then. You know, saying like, you know, okay, instead of fighting other martial artists, you know what I'm saying, and studying under Itman, you know, he he um, he he um, fought Chuck Norris and studied under Chuck Norris. It's like, no, you can't do that. You can't switch the like the absolute history and and the essence of what makes someone some that who they are. You can't just change that. You know, it's like. Or you do a Michael Jackson story, and you say, you know, he was part of the Silvers, you know, or Sly and the Family Stone. Like, for real? Well, as long as it's Michael Jackson, he's singing, you know, um, you know, or singing Ben and something else, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You can't just, well, you know, he wasn't part of Jackson 5. We're going to make him a part of the Silvers. And instead of Joe Jackson, you know, we're going to say his main antagonist was his mama, and she beat him. Now, think about if they had did that. Just kept the, the Jackson story the same, but they didn't want to make the brother look bad, so they painted Mama as the antagonist who used to beat the children. Who would have watched that show? And who wouldn't have been up in arms? <laughs> right? Yeah. If, if, take the Tina Turner story, right? And say that they didn't want to paint Ike as a bad person. And so they, they created this fictional character that beat Tina, who Ike had to save him from. We cool with that movie? No. <laughs> because it lets, it lets the bad guy off. So now in this movie, white folks ain't the bad guy. White folks ain't the big bad problem holding us down. It is each other. And now the main reason black people did not get freedom on the level they should is because it was other black people trying to keep black people who were freeing black people from doing it. 
It wasn't white folks. It wasn't the bounty hunters. It wasn't the breakers, people who really existed. There were white bounty hunters. That was a job to go get folks and bring them back to enslavement camps. Their job was to, they're breakers whose job they sent off ordinary Negroes to, to break them, to try to keep them from wanting to be free. You know what I'm saying? You had the overseers who beat black folks, you know, and let's go back to roots, where, you know, chopping off people's feet and limbs. I said feet. Chopping off their feet and their feet and limbs to deter other people from running away. But no, those aren't the people in the movie that are the problem. It's not the so-called plantation owner who, who somehow magically got the right to own us as property. It's not the overseer who whooped us and cut off parts of our parts of our bodies. It, it wasn't the bounty hunters who chased us, and it wasn't the breakers who tried to convince us that freedom was something we didn't want to do. The problem was with freedom were black men and black men who got to carry guns and shoot at black women who tried to free us. You can kiss my ass with that. You can kiss, matter of fact, you can kiss my ass so much that they can get the DNA off my ass from your lips before I go see that. Yes. Wow. That's how that's I feel about opinion. hurry. Hold on, hold on, hold on one second. That's a strong opinion, and if you have a difference of opinion, or even the same opinion, or even just a strong <laughs> opinion, give us a call at six four six 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 eight. Two five seven four. This is the yes. our radio network with uh, TNC Radio. TNC stands for the next chapter. We are in the middle of the first hour discussing our hot topic of the day, which is the movie Harriet. Okay, continue. <laughs> I'd like to preface that, the garbage movie, Harriet. I don't care how well it's made. How are you going to, like, literally, man, and the thing about it is what pisses me off is how comfortable people are with this. And I have to say that based on what I understand of the world, I can say with about 99% accuracy that it's only acceptable because it was a black man. If they had made a black woman, this bounty hunter, right, and, and, and called her booty big and had her chasing around Harriet and Harriet having to be saved from booty big by this white plantation owner. And the main thing that Harriet was ever trying to get away from was a black woman named booty big who carried a gun and shot at black people, this movie would not have come out. It would be up in arms. It's only the fact that the bad guy is a black man that you can get away with this. And that's because there is such low regard for black men. I hate to say it, this movie is supposed to be a testament of one of the strongest and one of the most fearless well, I know she might have been afraid because, I mean, hell, that's, that was different. I'm not going to make that fearless, but one of the most brave and courageous black people ever existed who put her life and her service in front of the world to say, like, I'm here. Like, 
unquestionable, indelible mark on history. Like she should be part of every conversation on enslavement and what happened and what it looked like, you know, along with all the other people who rebelled against who don't get their name put out. But, you know, based on her service, you know, because it wasn't just a one-time rebellion. She got to freedom and always, after getting to freedom, risked her life to go back. And that's why I'm saying she should be part of it, because there's some people who rebelled and tore stuff up. But I don't know a lot of people who escaped to freedom and then came back and got more people. You know, so she gets to Moses right out. But they turned this into a treatise on black men. Like, and nobody's, and, 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 and like the people are, and the men are bugging out. And people are talking about the men like, well, you know, you should be more open-minded. For real? This ain't about being open-minded. Letting you create a fictional character that goes around and shoots at one of the most historic black women in the history of the damn country. That ain't open-minded. That's stupidity. You know what I'm saying? And my thing is, when people tell me to do something stupid, you first. What I want you to do is I want you to take historically black films, I mean characters, who fought for freedom, and then I want you to randomly write in black women antagonists, like Martin Luther King, instead of Bull Connor and um, J. Edgar Hoover, writing, you know, a fictional character called uh, Mama Justice, who goes around and ultimately almost kills Martin Luther King before he's assassinated. Or Mama Justice that comes after El-Hajj, Malik El-Shabazz. Write that crap in. You know what I'm saying? Or write something in of some other character. Go get somebody who's Jewish or Puerto Rican. You know, or just any other nationality. Go get someone who's Japanese or Chinese. And then go randomly write them into a history where they're the antagonist and they're the main proponent against an entire people's freedom and justice and see how people react. You can only do this because you did it to black men. And black men, we, we complain so much people, they used to ignore us. It ain't even a thing. But yeah, it got me bent. What say you? Uh, okay. He <laughs> um, <laughs> said, okay. I concur. <laughs> you know, um, no, but how do you feel say, about, no, no, about feel, that? I don't, I, I don't feel no kind of way about that because how should I say this? And I'm going to get, now here comes the controversy. If that was, that was the appetizer. Now here comes the, here comes the traducan. All right. Um, (laughs) 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 Number one, first and foremost, I get uh, upset because and I'm going to, and I hate to sound like Dr. Umar, but you, you Negroes don't know what uh, rhetoric is, okay? You see it all, rhetoric and propaganda. You see it done and displayed all the way around you, and most of the times you yearn and, 
and gravitate towards it, i.e., um, i.e., the Real Housewives of, of Atlanta. Ain't not a nan. Ch- it's it's a ch- it's one chick on there that's a housewife. The rest of them is hoes and baby mamas. <laughs> For real? Okay, but yeah, hey, listen. I got a sister that watch that crap, and occasionally my girl watch it, and I'm just like. This is why y'all are fucked up. And I just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> no, because wow. this is what you're feeding into your psyche. So without the absence of seeing an upwardly mobile black women around you, you tend to think this is what this means to be that. And that's not what that is. See, at one point in time, women had... Um, Felicia Rashad on the Cosby show. And then even still a mother at home or a father at home or somebody close to them teaching them who Harriet Tubman really was. So now if you're waiting on a movie or a TV show to teach you this or even your public school system, you're fucked. Now, with that one, now, the propaganda is black men, whenever they show toxic masculinity, which is just the dumbest shit I've ever heard of, toxic masculinity, <laughs> they always put out black and brown men, but black men especially. And then they pepper it in with the with the occasional white d bag people who are like, "Oh my god you are you are the devil, you see what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. Weinstein, you know then they you know what I mean, they pepper it in with that, so it doesn't look or appear racist, but it's always since the seventies there's been this overwhelming thing to put black men and black women at odds with each other in this country because the one thing you cannot stop is a family. And it's not like this country does not have a history of genocide on many levels. Oh, by the way, happy Thanksgiving. Now, (laughs) (laughs) so now if you think I'm lying outside of a U.S. reservation, Find me a family of Indians, or should I say Native Americans. I double dog dare you. You're hard-pressed to see them. In the 70s, uh, George Clinton and them said, said this is what we were, and then Ice Cube came back and repeated it in the 90s. Black men are an endangered species, but I I have to say in 2019, I can't even say that because endangered species are protected. We aren't. Well, don't worry. Trump is, you know, um, <laughs> he working on getting rid of all of that. Pretty soon, the only thing that ain't, that's going to be protected is uh, rich white people. He, he's he's working on it. Yeah, you gotta give him a little bit more time. Well, they, they didn't always. <laughs> those fuckers didn't always been protected. But 
So now we get to the <laughs> now we get to the meat and crust of Harriet, right? Now we get to the meat mm-hmm. and crust of Harriet. Okay. I'm I'm still on this. They created a fictionalized Negro to be her main antagonist. Does that make this sister stronger? If you really know the story of Harriet Tubman, she had a husband. And again, I haven't seen the movie. I have no desire to see the movie. Well, I've I've been this way. In all the reviews, I've never heard about her husband. Right. Harriet Tubman had a husband who was lynched, basically murdered. And that started her quest for freedom, if I, if I remember the story of Harriet Tubman correctly. That's what jump, had her jump out there. So we always see pictures of, there's a picture of a younger Harriet Tubman, but you always see the older, battle-scarred, less attractive Harriet Tubman. You don't see Harriet when she was like, oh, she's kind of cute. You never see that. Mm. Not saying that make that should make a difference either way, but we can't take the totality away from this. One of the things that if they didn't do this and interject this uh, negative black male image in there, I would take my daughter to see this. Why? Because just like in the movie Black Panther, which I'm not going to see Black Panther 2 because this shit is not going to be allowed to happen again. They're making a Black Panther 2? Oh, of course they are. Black Panther, outside of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the highest grossing Marvel movie. From the MC in the MCU, hmm. black folks treated that shit like an event. It was niggas going in there oh, yeah. just like they were, like they was coming out of Zamunda, like they African guards up. That struck so many chords that black people didn't even realize what was happening to them. They saw princess, black women who were warriors. So that spirit in Harriet Tubman has always been in the black community. So we have warrior queens. You see what I'm saying? Not just women mm-hmm. who sit on their behinds. Oh, I'm waiting on my prince to come. No, while we waiting on the prince to come, hey, look here, we're going to come and defend the land from the invaders. You had warrior women in Africa, who were just equally respected as the men, okay? So when they say Harriet, they call her Black Moses. She was Black Moses before Isaac Hayes. Yes, indeed. Stop me when I'm wrong. Okay, so Harriet Tubman is is, is, is the baseline African-American archetype for a strong black woman. So understanding propaganda, if you are going to get 
some raggedy Negro who just hell-bent on, but I got to destroy this black woman. Now, think about what that does when you walk out, when when a sister walks out the theater. She hey, think- sister, how you doing? You beautiful. You didn't sat in the movie for two <laughs> hours watching a nigga, <laughs> watching a nigga try and take this. I used to, sidebar, I used to work at a restaurant in New York. This was a, around the time that uh, The Color Purple was on Broadway. And you would see sisters come from all over, right? Mm-hmm. And there was two rushes in the restaurant because it stayed late. So you had the pre-theater crowd and then the after-theater crowd. I had told the hosts and hostess at this restaurant, I said, look here, if you see any black women with those little purple color purple bags, do not sit them in my section. I don't give a damn fuck. I don't get another table the entire night. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because No, I mean, because women are emotional. I, don't get me wrong. But because you walk up to the table, hi, how you doing, ladies? My name is Lawrence. I'm your server. And they turned and looked at me like I was mister. He told Harpo to beat me. I ain't did a damn thing to you or Steely or Shug or Squeak or none of them other heifers in the movie. I'm just here trying to serve you some damn cheesecake. <laughs> Give a nigga wow. a break. You know? So, same thing with this Harriet Tubman thing. And folks understand that. See, I'm not saying everything is always negative and meant to keep the black man down and this, that, and the other. But you better damn be sure there's something where people actually know what they're doing. People actually know what they're doing. Okay, so let me me put this down, you know, because, you know, I I usually keep my my lifestyles uh, separate, like, you know, the clinical from the from the um, from the uh, entertainment, just that and the other. But, but, But let me let me tell you. A couple of stories. Like one is about a poet, and this is a uh, somebody I know who got an endorsement from a liquor company, you know, al- a- alcoholic beverage, you know, company. And right. the story their brother told about what they said in front of him, like he was there. And they were talking about marketing to black people, and they were talking about making prices higher because black folks are paid for it, and when they think that the price is higher, they think it's worth more. And they were literally talking about how to exploit black people in front of this, in front of this, this person. I didn't even say male or female. In front of this person, right? And then turn right. to the person talk about, oh, yeah, okay, so let's talk about, you know, how you're going to perform this and what you're going to do and what this is going to look like. Now, they just talked for I don't know how long about exploiting black folks, and then they turned to this, uh, this, this person 
They're like, okay, now how are you going to help us exploit them? Then I tell my own personal experience. I was sitting in a major movie house, and I say major. I mean, like, major, like, responsible for, like, 50% of of the major movies that come out. And I was surprised. And I had these dudes talking to I'm not getting into who it was, but these jokers sat up there and they asked me to do a movie that was basically Boys in the Hood meets Love Jones. Because they had a buyer for it. But they couldn't find anybody who could write it and who could do the poetry and stuff for it. And after seeing me on the Apollo, they thought based on it takes a G and all the other stuff that I could do it, right? Well, right. this is this this is what they're saying. They're like, yo, and so in this movie, this is what we need you to do. We we need you and your homeboys. And this is what they actually said. I'm like, homeboys? And I'm just like, now I ain't talking to anybody black. And necessarily in this case, I wasn't even talking to anybody white. I think they were like from Iraq, um, they're Peruvian, whatever. But they're like, yeah, man, um, yeah, see, you know, you and your homeboys, you know, y'all, y'all got to be, you know, we want y'all in, in, in this poetry scene, right? And I'm like, they said, but you ain't got to be no punks. I'm like, no, they said, you can, you can, he said, they said, you can get, gun some fools down and bang some bitches. This is what they told me that. They said, you, can shoot, you can shoot some, shoot motherfuckers and you can bang bitches. But they, I, I forgot how they said shoot and other one, but they literally said bang bitches. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, this is like a bad black exploitation movie. And then they're like, yeah, man, and then, you know, y'all got to get it on. Y'all got to have the fighting and everything. And, oh, and then in the middle of all of that, you got to do some poetry. <laughs> and I'm sitting like, and they're asking for it <laughs> in order. But they were like, Poetry is the backdrop, but the main thing is it has to be violence. It has to be like, you know, shooting and killing, and it has to be just like, you know, just illicit sex. And then offered me seven figures to write it. So, yes, I was tempted. But I said that to say, no, this junk is not by happenstance. There are people sitting up here, and they look at the rubric of basically what they believe is behind black folks and how they spend money. And then instead of trying to create quality movies that fit in that rubric, they basically look at the most base, <laughs> I guess the easiest to make, and whatever is going to pull in the money, and then they do it, and they keep it there. And they don't try to change well, that's it. How as they long that's how they did the black exploitation movies in the seventies. That I yeah. mean, and that's the formula for it. And they and they really said that, as well as um, if you you remember Hollywood Shuffle, mm-hmm. that was that was the basis of Robert Townsend doing. Oh, shout out to the late uh, great John Witherspoon. Um, yeah, that was the basis of. Robert Townsend doing Hollywood Shuffle, you know, and it's funny because just out of nowhere today, I was talking to my wife and I just started doing, you know, I got a litany of just stuff and problems. 
So I just, you know, we was talking, and I just started doing the Robert Townsend, you know, the Afro. Afro, step back, you know, that whole thing. (laughs) I never saw it and was like, what the hell are you doing? You've never seen it? Oh, my goodness. And I was like, oh, okay, let me. Let me let me show her the scene, and she saw it. She was like, "Oh, I don't ever need to see no shit like this ever." <laughs> but <laughs> she didn't. She didn't uh, like. I had to explain to her that it was highlighting everything that was wrong with that, and she was like, "Oh, okay, yeah. now this makes sense. now in that context, all of this buffoonery and niggerdom makes sense." <laughs> like you know, mm-hmm. but, but that's. Now that was Robert Townsend highlighting it, and I think Hollywood Shuffle came out like what eighty seven. I don't even remember. So here we are, like I can't tell you. Like, here we are, like thirty two years later, dealing with the same stuff. But that's because you know we got to have ownership, and you got to do it. So we what we want to do right now is we gonna get into because uh, we getting close to the second hour, so. We gave you something to think about. Right now, we're going to get into a little music. I think because of what we were talking about, we're going to get ratchet with a message. <laughs> Go with little... Get ratchet with a message. I'm going to give you a little bit of my favorite, one of my favorite Ice Cube songs. A Bird in the Hand. Yes, sir. Hey, look at this. I've been cleaning out my nest, and I found an old book of my poetry. Fresh out of school, because I was a high school grad. Got to get a job, because I was a high school dad. Which I got paid by rapping to the nation, but that's not likely. They use my application, pass it to the man at AC&C. Cause when I was in school, I got the AEE. But there's no SC for this jumpster. I didn't have no money, so now I got a punchster. Clock got a slave and be happy, man. But Whitey says there's no room for the African. Always knew that I would rock G. But welcome to McDonald's, man. Take your order, please. Gotta serve your food that might give you cancer. Cause my son doesn't take no for an answer. Now I pay taxes, let him ever give me back. What about diapers? And Similac, do I have to sell me a whole lot of crack with decent shelter and clothes on my back? Or should I just wait for help from Bush or Jesse Jackson and Operation Push? If you ask me, the whole thing needs a dush. A massive gale, what the hell? Crack a cell in the neighborhood. To the corner house, bitches. Miss Parker, Little Joe, and Todd Bridges. Or anybody that he's know. So I cop me a bird better known as a kilo. Now everybody know I went from Poe to a nigga that got dope. The nigga put the feds against me. Cause I couldn't follow the plan of the presidency. I'll never get love again. But blacks are too fucking broke to be Republican. Now remember, I used to be cool. Till I stopped filling out my W-2. Now senators are getting high. And you're playing against the ghetto backfire. So now you got a pep talk. But sorry, this is our only room to walk. Because we don't want a drug push. But a bird in the hand is worth more than a book. Tell the bottom, 
Yo, yo. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're back. And that was Ice Cube, a bird in the hand. Told you we had to get ratchet with a message. So, <laughs> it is now the second hour, and we are in to our, well, this is the time we're going to get into our uh, main topic of the day. Uh, A-Town, you want to tell the people what the topic is? Because before we go get into it, we, I want to give them a little bit of music before we go All into right. it. Don't go see Harry. No, okay, that's that was the first hour. No, no. <laughs> this hour, this hour, we're talking about faith, destiny, hard work. Is getting to the next chapter and reaching your goal, one, two, or a combination of all three. Like, what gets us to that next chapter? Is it faith? Is it destiny? Or is it hard work? Or some combination of the three? Some people believe in just one. Some people believe in two. Some people believe in three. We want to know what you think. We know what we think, but we want to know what you think. What gets you to the next chapter? What is that force that pushes you over into the future that you want? That is the question. And if you have an answer, call us, 646-668-2574, or 1-800-DON'T-SEE-HARRIET. Okay, my bad. That ain't a real number. So I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, while y'all thinking about that and dialing in, we're going to hit you with one of my favorites, uh, and I like how you meant, preferenced him earlier, uh, Michael Jackson with his brothers, the Silvers. No, I'm kidding. The Jackson. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> we got the Jackson y'all destiny. <laughs> Rich life, I don't want it. 
By the Jacksons I cut it short a little bit Because the rest of that is just music So that had no bearing on The music was, Although it's dope Had no bearing on what we were talking about Now Seems like you We've switched things up And you've been going first So A-Town Faith yes, Destiny Hard work Is it one Two or a combination of one and two, two and three, one and three, one, two and three. What say you? Well, I don't believe in destiny. But it's something people believe in. I believe destiny can be created and but I wouldn't call it destiny. I would call it destination. And I believe destination is a product of faith and hard work. But I don't believe you're just destined for anything. Because anybody, it's like this, I don't care how much money or how many gifts you have, you can throw them away. Like, I've seen one of the best basketball players I've ever seen in my life, he never step on a college floor because he didn't want to do work. And when I'm talking about, like, good this joker was so good that the plan when he was on the floor was just give him the ball. It was like a TV show. This dude in the dunk contest jumped up, put a ball under his shirt, pulled the ball out of his shirt, and then cuff slammed it. But he couldn't pass algebra. So if he had a play, he'd have been one of the best. And then I have a person in my family. I ain't going to say who, but when I say basketball, he's calling baby Jordan. When I ask how, and he's only he's only like six two and a half, six three. And I say, can you dunk? He said, how do you want it? In a game in high school, this joker scored like fourteen points, had five rebounds and three steals, and did it in like seven minutes. I don't need you telling but, me all my business. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
people be like, he can really do that? Be like, no, Negroes, you fell for that. But yeah, so um, right. I'm, but I'm only five. Yeah, but he wasn't coachable. I mean, that's my blood, and I love him. But you know, he didn't get along with coaches because he's like, I can do this. The coach is like playing in the system, and he just never played organized ball. But he was a playground legend. Like he used to giggle and laugh at people while he was dunking on them. Like when I say he was that good. If he literally had went to the NBA, he'd be in the conversation about one of the best. Like, he was and at 6'2 or 6'3. No, he's like 6'3. Freakish. Like, what he could do with a basketball was ridiculous. So, that tells me that you can have ridiculous talent and not have it realized as what you do in life. Right? And so, we, therefore, we can't say talent is destiny because if that's the case, everybody with a talent would be reaching some kind of life with that talent regardless of what happened around them. If it was destiny, they would just be falling into it. So it can't be destiny. Destiny uh, and, and faith, I believe faith gets you there. But I also believe, like it says in the Bible, when James said, faith without works is dead. And so I believe faith and work are actually, they're like an epoxy. And an epoxy, for those who don't know, that's a, a, a fastener, a, like a glue, but only it has two, two chemicals. And when you mix them together, they become this, they're like stronger than super glue, and they become this great bond. Now, separately, they don't do nothing. You can throw them at the wall, do whatever, they ain't going to do nothing. But you put them together they create a strong bond and they can hold stuff together. And that's what faith and um, hard work, I believe, are. Because faith by itself ain't going to get you nothing. And hard work, if it doesn't have kind of some kind of direction or meaning to it, ain't going to get you nothing. Because there's people who work hard and don't see anything for it because they're not doing anything productive or meaningful. It doesn't have any purpose or goal to it, no, no direction. So I believe faith gives your hard work direction and it gives it meaning and it gives it perseverance. And so the two together can create a destination, not a destiny, like something that's just going to be realized no matter what, but a destination, a place where you'll end up if you keep it up. Cause I don't believe you just randomly just going to end up in stuff. Cause I've seen too many people screw stuff up. And unless we're going to say their destiny was to fail, but no, that's not it because they reached that, that point of failure because they didn't do anything. So I believe there is no such thing as destiny. There's destination. And, you're de- and if you want to call it destiny, destiny is a destination you end up with if you keep up faith and hard work. Because then if with faith and hard work, it creates that epoxy that holds things together and you can build stuff with it. And as long as you have a creative and a goal-oriented force and the ability to build, then you're going to end up with something. And you can call it your destiny. I call it your destination. It's where you end up based on what you do. But no, I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe people fall into outhouses and come out smelling like roses or nothing like that. And even if you look in the, like being a biblical brother, even if you look in the Bible, when people fell into stuff, there was still something they had to do. Like Joseph, he didn't just fall into the hole and then come out. He had to interpret dreams. You know what I'm saying? You know, Daniel with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they had to exhibit faith. And then they got Nebuchadnezzar's 
I because of their faith and also because of Daniel's ability to interpret dreams. But if he just stopped interpreting dreams and then they didn't exhibit their faith, they wouldn't have gotten his attention and he would have never got the audience of Nebuchadnezzar. So it wasn't just some blind faith, I mean some blind destiny. It was their faith and their hard work that created their destination. So that's where I'm at. Faith plus work creates destination. And it's not destiny. Unless you want to call destiny the end product, the common sense end product of when your ability and your resources come together and you can do what you need to do. Because then, okay, you're destined to build something. Yeah, okay, if you want to say that, but I, I call it destination. So that that's my take on it, man. I don't I don't believe it's some just you just fall into an outhouse like it, my uncle said, smelling like a rose. You know, I'm I'm like yeah, and, and that's I say old people stuff because my uncle used to talk about stuff like that. Like he said, he would say stuff. You know, if you'd be like, man, if I just could have, and he said, yeah, and if the um, bear hadn't stopped to take a shit, he'd have caught the rabbit. And I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I, I just think it's funny. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, and, and for, oh, oh, Station ID, this is TNC Radio, the next chapter radio on the D-Hour Network. <clears throat> what we're talking about is faith, destiny, or hard work. Is getting to the next chapter a combination, is it one, a combination of two, or a combination of three? And if you have any thoughts about this, please call us at 646-668-2574 and chime in. And we also were talking about Harriet. We can get to that when we got less time. But, yeah, I was saying don't go see Harriet. And if you don't like it, you can call me up, cuss me out, or fight me. I'm cool. But, yeah, so that's it. What if, there's no destiny. There's what destination. What is my destiny to see? But what if it's my destiny to see Harry? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, I mean, listen. If you if you just walking down the street and a movie ticket fall from the sky, and then you pick up the movie ticket, and when you pick up the movie ticket, somebody come and like, listen, I'll drive you if you want to go wherever that movie ticket is. And then when you go there, people pick you up and they just carry your butt chariot like into the into the thing and sit you down and then prop your head up. That's destiny. Otherwise, it's volition. It is will. You chose to do it, and you could have chosen not to do it. Yes. But if anybody comes and drops a ticket on me and then picks me up and carries me gladiator style to the movie theater and sits me down, that will be the only way I'll see the movie. Now, afterwards, are you expecting somebody to ask, are you not entertained? (laughs) Yes. And then to say, royal wipers? And then yeah, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> uh, I want I want Gladiator and Zamunda all wrapped in one. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, we this is a serious subject, yo, yo. But like I said, I'm gonna sum it up because I said it three times, and I'm gonna be out. There's no destiny; it's destination, and it's a combination of hard work and faith. That's my final answer. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> mm. Well, I don't know. I think there. I think there is some level of destiny, but it's where you land is determined by your hard work and your faith. 
Give me okay. a lot of destiny because what if you don't have the faith or the hard no, no, work? No, 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 no. Like, hear me out. Michael Jackson was destined to be a impactful singer, right? Michael Jackson whole family could sing minus Latoya. Okay? Don't talk about my whole girl. Whole family. Latoya couldn't sing. She not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like she's the only Jackson that I feel some uh, like I feel sympathy for, like straight up. Okay? The only hit record Latoya Jackson has is the one that was inspired by her by uh Switch. That's it. <laughs> okay. Now, I will say this. Michael Jackson was destined to be an impactful singer. He was going to make an impact with his voice and his talent. His whole family was Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, I know Jehovah Witnesses have a very dry singing style, okay? Michael could have been that Jehovah Witness gospel star if that was what Joe directed him into, okay? Michael had such such a promising voice that even if Joe didn't, beat that ass and drive him to the superstardom he was, Michael and his brothers may have, or just Michael himself, may have had minor hits, but hits that were like, oh, man, that was the jam, damn. And that's it, like one or two of them, not that slew of hits that he had from the time he was 11 all the way up until the time he died. You see what I'm saying? There are certain people who are destined to break ground in this in in a certain field. Now, all of the other stuff, the destiny, the hard work, well, the faith and the hard work, that propels you, my opinion, to where you're going to go or where you land in that sphere of destiny, whether you're on the outskirts of it or like it's like a bullseye. In my mind, it's like a bullseye. Whether you get straight to the bullseye and get all of what you could have or if you fall short and, you know, you keep falling short, I think that's I think that's very much possible. Like um, look at – Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson gets kicked out of Morehouse, right? He was always mm-hmm. a likable dude. He gets kicked out of Morehouse for kidnapping uh, or abducting Martin Luther King Sr. That's not a colorful euphemism that he really did that shit. <laughs> um, then he comes back as a theater major. Right, I think he was like an accountant or some other shit, something architecture, some some other shit that had nothing to do with the arts. 
he came back as a theater major because in his time off he found he enjoyed that. So they let him back in. I I don't think he graduated. I don't. I still don't think he graduated from Morehouse. Then he ends up going around. Really good actor. Does one or two things here and there. Ends up addicted to crack cocaine. Gets clean. And his breakout role on the black hand side of Hollywood was playing Gator, a crackhead, in uh, Jungle Fever. And then he skyrocketed to superstardom with Pulp Fiction. But before then, you know, you saw him in small roles, small parts. He was on a man called he was on an episode of a man called Hawk. He was on and that was a short lived T V show. But he was always destined to be an actor. You see what I'm saying? But if he would have gave up or never took that role as a crackhead because ooh, I had a problem with drug addiction and this may trigger something and wasn't didn't have the faith in his own recovery, right? He would have never got the nod for uh pulp fiction and we wouldn't be talking about Sam Jackson right now like we are. You see what I'm saying? So he was so I think the faith and the hard work propelled you. To get into that, to get into um, a higher level, but you know, you mentioned your uh, cousin who was, uh, or your or your friend, who was a dope basketball player, but he didn't want to make any hard, he didn't do any hard work, he didn't want to, he didn't want to put in a part of the formula. So, you still t- that doesn't take away from him being a playground legend or just dope. He just was missing a part of the puzzle. You know what I mean? So I think they all go hand in hand. But, you know, is he a playground legend? Oh, yeah. They still make him a dope basketball player, but he's not world-renowned. He just hood renowned. Right. Right. But and that's I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. Yeah, you know so that's what I'm saying. You know, it's it's a combination. If you want to say anything, I um, I would that I would sign on to. I would say, destiny is your life if you live into your integrity. I do believe that there is a life that everybody's created for a purpose and that if you live into that purpose, you are going to reach it. And I'm not saying everybody is going to be ultra successful and famous because that's not everybody's purpose, but your purpose might be to change the nature of your neighborhood and, you know, create a blueprint for everybody to, you know, build off of or 
know, someone else's might be to innovate in a certain field or something. I believe that if you live into your integrity, that your destiny can't be stopped unless someone actually like this kills you. But then it wasn't you didn't it wasn't your destiny wasn't reached. It's just somebody stopped you from reaching it by cutting off your life. But I believe that there are certain things that people are meant to do that if you live into your integrity, your destination will be inevitable. And so if you want to call it destiny, right. but then I'm I'm still looking at it as a product of faith, hard work, and in this case, integrity. You know, so it's not, you know, because when I hear people say destiny, I hear no matter what, under any circumstances, this is what's going to happen. I don't believe that. I believe that there are certain guaranteed outcomes based on lifestyles and behaviors. But I don't believe oh, yeah. that anything is just guaranteed just by you breathing and walking down the street, you know, and it's going to happen. Like, no, that's hell no. But, you know, that's my opinion. And don't go see Harriet. Okay. Well, did I say that? Okay, I'm done. I'm <laughs> Somebody gonna be pull up so, this show. He said, "Don't go see Harriet thirty-five times." Uh, yes, I did. I'm going to go see Harriet, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, with, with that being said, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a pause for a cause, <laughs> and um, based upon what you said, I had another one of my favorites, the hardest. Working man in show business, Mr. Please, please, Mr. Dynamite, the one and only James Brown telling folks, I don't want nobody to give me nothing, but if you open up the door, I get it myself. This is the next chapter. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be right back after this song. Open up the door. 
and for James Brown to always be working hard. Like, I believe this year James Brown toured 360, at one point, 364 days out of the year. Only day off that, that Joker's had was Christmas. Like, it was, it was, he was absolutely insane at one point. Um, like, getting off of, getting out of a show, rehearsing, then going to cut a record, and then the band getting on the uh, bus and touring, and he getting on a jet to go so he can come back and demanding absolute perfection out of everybody that's, that's winning. That was hard, hard work. And then he began um, creating this whole new, new uh, type of music called funk. You know what I mean? And then being the his music being one of the early archetypes for what he was doing in uh in the sixties and seventies became the cornerstone for hip hop in the late eighties through ninety through like ninety two and it was only unseated by um George Clinton and Bootsy Collins. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. who Bootsy comes out of James' camp. So that whole thing, that's that hard work and that just undeniable faith and belief in yourself, you know, and hard work, which brought him to his destination, as you like to say, of becoming one of the greatest hands down overall. So, you know, that's just, that's that's why I chose James for this one because he's just, you know, and plus he came out with songs like, I don't want you to give me something. Just just give me, just open up the door crack and I come in and I'm going to take over. And that's, that's, that's saying something. Um, I used to, I, I was one of those kids that Collected records when I was a kid, and I've never seen you this on collect records now, records. but you call them CDs. You collected music well, your no, entire I mean, life. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I was a kid that was like, yeah, what you want for Christmas? I want He Man and the new Gap Band album. Like you know what I mean? Like that was me. But <laughs> I used to see. I've never seen this. On anybody as great as Michael Jackson and Prince was, you never saw on their record, on the on the on the face of their record, you never saw their face on each one of their CDs. James Brown on his record, not just the cover, but on the actual record. Where you know they got all the information, you know. Oh, okay, it's this song, it's this this company, this that and the other. James Brown's face was stamped on each and every label of his out of his records, whether they were albums or forty five. You've never seen anything like that before or after. That's how hardworking 
and how dope that brother was. But you can't be that dope if you didn't work and sacrifice and have that belief in yourself. So, yeah, um, he was destined to do something because he used to be a boxer, too, and he was pretty good, you know. He was just destined to be something. He just had to find his niche, and once he did, he just went off. He he's just off to the races, and influenced everybody. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. hard work, faith equals destiny or destination. I this just another example for me, James Brown. So what say you? Yeah. What say you? No, like I said, in that case, I understand what you're saying, but I, I think we're talking about the same thing. I think it's like about living into somebody's integrity, which is the faith and their hard work. Then there's a spot that's been reserved for them if they if they do it, and that's a destiny. If you're talking about something preset as your arrival point as long as you do certain things. So, I mean, yeah, so I guess that way because destiny is something that's predetermined. Yeah, I I, I, I could get with that. But, um, but yeah, but other than that, yeah, I, 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 but I still think it's a combination of, like I said, that faith, that hard work, and that integrity. But in the end, I, I think what, I'm, what I would say to anybody is, you know, find out your talent, your love, your drive, your passion, and live into it. And and then you'll find your destination or what you will call your destiny. You know, but you got to live into it. It's not going to just pop up. You know, you ain't going to just stumble on it and it happens. Even if you stumble on it, you have to be in a position to be able to use your talents and your gifts. And, and like you said, that faith and that energy to get, where you, you need to go. Like I said, it'd be like Daniel getting taken away, you know, to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, but not, you know, honing his relationship with God or being able to interpret dreams. He ain't going to get there. He only got there because he was obedient and faithful and he was diligent. But you take away that and, you know, we don't know the man's name. And so, yeah, but I, I do agree. But I do agree there's a spot that, you, your life is set for if you do the work. And so if you want to call well, it that like, destiny. Well, I mean, like, okay, let's, let's say, let's talk about somebody who didn't do the work. Okay. Like using a biblical example, I know we're going to be Bible heavy and it sounds like a Bible study. Jonah, right? The, mm-hmm. the good Lord said, Jonah, get up, go over here. And Jonah was like, I ain't going over there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who me? Nah, nope, nigga, I'm not doing Can't that. Me. No Lord. Go <laughs> uh, so to Tarshish and Nineveh. No, uh, no, no. Go, go where? Oh, hard pass. <laughs> like you know, hard pass. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, five, no Trump. No, it's like a right. Um, I'm going over there. Right. So then, if Dan, if if Jonah would have been like, "All right, God, no problem, I'm going over there," we would never know his name. 
Mm-hmm. I get that, but in but, the end, it, but check this out. I mean, in the, if he had, if he had swallowing the fish, but if he in the end, if he didn't go, we wouldn't know his name either. So it's a combination. If ah. in the end he never went and God sent somebody else, you know, unless he was a tale of don't do this and his destiny was to be an example, then okay, I agree with you there, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> this is going to happen. You're going to get ate by a fish if you don't go where God tells you to go. If he goes, where are you going? I'm going to Detroit because, you know, I don't like fish. <laughs> right, like Lawrence. I need you to go to Flint, Michigan and drink a gallon uh, of water. Nope. Lord, I can't do that. <laughs> like, that ain't about to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, God. No. I just, uh-uh. But I am the Lord thy God. Yeah, but, mm, I've I've heard tell about that, and uh, I'm good. Like, I... Oh, you ain't gonna go? Nah. I like Atlanta better. <laughs> oh, oh, really? You know what I mean? Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, oh, so mm-hmm. right around Tennessee, I get a major detour. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, what you doing now? Oh, yeah. I'm going back to Detroit, man, because uh, I'm going to Flint. You can say I had to drink their water. I got a gallon of water for myself. So I just, you know, it's a loophole. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, that's the way I see things. So, you know. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm not teaching Sunday school. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you are destined. You're like I think with those guys, they were destined not to live up to their full potential because knowing those guys and seeing those examples in your life, some of the things that you were able to achieve because you kept the faith, you kept the destiny, because you also had that negative example of this is what it looks like when you don't do this, that, or the third. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. To to get yeah. to your point. So sometimes people need those examples too. So yeah. and yeah, I mean, you were destined to but, to fail. <laughs> but even that you did. But even then, your destiny you listened to it because you worked hard at being disobedient. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You had to work, you know, you had to be like, no, nah. I mean, think how disobedient you got to be to, you know, I mean, and for those who ain't biblical folks, you ain't got to, you ain't got to take it, you know, literally, but just imagine if there is a God and you piss him off so much that he gets you swallowed and you end up in the belly of a fish for three days because he pissed at you. Like you really got to do some stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, for somebody who's, you get thrown overboard 
because the boat because the boat gonna sink if you win it. So they throw you overboard, <laughs> and then you get swallowed. It's like no, man, you gotta piss somebody off to be like, listen, if you don't throw that fool over, I'm gonna kill everybody on the boat. Uh, so how you got to go, homie? I'm gonna miss you. You know what I'm saying? That's work. You know what I'm saying? That's that's yeah. hard work. And that's going you know to And you know what? At that point, I'm going to sound like my man Donnie Hathaway singing this next song we got coming up right here on the next chapter of radio. <laughs>
Donnie Hathaway was Lord help me. Wow. Really? So nice. One to sing it twice. All right. That was uh, Donnie Hathaway with Lord help me. Uh, getting to the end of the topic. A-Town, you want to summarize for us? Um, yeah. Uh, I think destiny is a mixture of hard work and faith and that there's a life and a talent and an ability and a purpose that you hear and that if you live into that purpose, then you are destined to reach a destination. And and if you want to call it destiny, but I don't call it destiny because I think destiny in the way that, and I would just say in the popular term is just considered from what I understand it, to be some predetermined role that's going to happen in your life no matter what. And I believe destiny, by the way that we're talking about it, is a predetermined role that will happen as long as you live into your integrity through faith and hard work. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that, that's, that's, that's what I got to say. And to, um, to give you what you asked for, the brother's name is Omar Dorsey. He played bigger long on it. And he got the nerve. And I'm reading it talking about, you know, he played an important role. I'm like, you ain't playing no important role. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, he said, take this out. I played bigger long, who was a really bad person, but he's important to telling the story. When I started looking at the things, I really wanted to do, I wanted to tell stories about race, and I wanted to tell stories that lift us up as a people. So cut the Queen Sugar. Now, I like him in Queen Sugar. I know what his brother is. And um, now I don't like him because you played this role, and he's talking about it was important. How's Bigger Long important? You're a fictional character. How are you important to the story? Who is he in Queen Sugar? In Queen Sugar, he's the dude who, um, who dates the auntie. He's the um the brother, the real cool brother who who dates the um auntie uh, who makes the pies and the cakes and stuff. He's Hollywood. Hollywood, yep. Uh, and, and now I, I want that uh, nigga to go back to Arkansas or Arizona. Uh, but yeah, dude, I'm just like, yeah, it hurts your feelings, doesn't it? <laughs> like a character and a person that you really like playing this role, and you're like, oh snap. So um, niggas. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> whole cakes. Whole got to eat too. Go back. <laughs> right. Go back to all your shuffle. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Uh, we uh almost at that time. So give us your uh contact info. Your uh how your affirmations for the week. You know how we do. So my affirmation was to be productive. I still haven't read a lot, but actually I'm reading the Bible on a regular basis. What I'm doing is I'm starting, um, I'm reading from from the end to the, from the beginning to the end of the New Testament and the Old Testament. So one day I'm in Genesis, the next day I'm in Matthew, next day I'm in Genesis, and I'm going through and I'm reading through both of them. But I've been productive. I have the real true game. It's just a one page. But this is um, the um, website for my um, upcoming book that's going to be released 
um, probably in the beginning of January called Real, called True Game, and it's called TheRealTrueGame.com. And I've revamped the RelationshipCookbook.com. has everything up there now. It's new, it's improved, and I'm about to re-release Relationship Cookbook with a different cover. And then I have on my site, I have Relationship Top Tens, which is actually going to be turning into a book. And then I also have Ask Anthony. And it's a chat where you can come in there and talk about different subjects. This week's subject is, well, I haven't even released the site yet, but when I release it, it's going to be Should Friends Date One Another? So that's what we got. We got The Real True Game. We got RelationshipCookbook.com. And if you want to hit me up, you can hit me at Anthony at Relationship Cookbook. That's how you get in touch with me. That's what we're doing right now. And then I got another book called Jesus Wept that's going to be out um, in December. And, um, yeah, we're going from there. But And I got a poetry book coming out, too. Yeah, a lot of stuff. I'm working. I'm being productive. God is good all the time. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, working on the website. And just this week, I'm just cooking and enjoying, and I'm just enjoying the family day. Um, that's all I'm really doing this week and just taking some time to work and keep things really close to the chest because by January 1, there's some things that uh, I plan on really, really uh, jumping out there with. But other than that, I'm doing like, like Sammy says. I'm keeping my eye on the sparrow. I heard that. And so this is the next chapter radio, TNC radio, the next chapter on the D hour radio network. You can listen to us every Monday at six to eight Pacific time and nine to 11 Eastern standard time. If you are mountain and central, figure that out for yourself. We, we only do two coasts. We love you though. Um, All right. We love y'all. <laughs> See y'all next week. We got a special show next week. Uh, tune in, tune in. If you thought the controversy was hot this week, oh, baby, wait till the traduction is made. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go to bed with no price on your head.
Don't run away till you hear what I say. No, no. 